Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to They Might Be Mariners, Lookout Landing's prospect-focused podcast. And folks, it is draft week. I'm so excited to be here talking about the MLB draft with yay! you all. Yay! Yeah. It's draft week. It's <laughs> baseball Christmas. Yay! We, we made oh, it finally. to the baseball event, uh, <laughs> which may be... You can't take at, this away from us, MLB. Yeah. Although yeah. you tried, well, they've, tra- they've done <laughs> as much as they can. You took eighty-five percent of it away, but yeah, um, they've done as much as possible. But we we've managed to hold on to five rounds of uh, of some some very entertaining, you know, pure sort of pure promise. And uh, I'm I'm very much looking forward to talking about this with uh, Kate Prusser, managing editor of Lookout Landing. Hello. And. Uh, Staff writer, prospect expert Joe Doyle. Hola. Uh, and it's, uh, I mean, it really is. It, it feels like it could be what we get this year for for MLB. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if that, I, I don't know if that makes it more exciting, sort of more saddening, but it definitely feels like. Whether whether it's just because we've been covering it more or not, but it feels like this is the, one of the more important drafts 
I've really been aware of more more high profile drafts. How does it feel for you guys? Yes. I think more, yeah, I mean, more than anything, it's high profile because there's nothing else going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but I think you're right. Um, I mean, for one, from a local perspective, uh, Seattle's picking high, and Seattle's got a lot of picks, and so mm-hmm. there's a lot of flexibility and fun that can be had, and um, all of those things combined make it a make it a fun experience this year. And I believe even before all of this COVID nonsense went down, uh, we've said this is the most important draft pretty much of DePoto's tenure, certainly. Definitely. Uh, because of the position the team is in, you know, we're, we've had a year of just god-awful baseball. Um, bless all of their hearts, but last year was rough to watch. Um, the war leaders we were just looking at that in the slack uh and i honestly cannot really place a bunch of them uh, i'm pretty sure one is austin nola i feel like two might be austin nola's <laughs> <laughs> that's very made possible. A mistake yeah no not out of the question and also austin nola was one of the leading the war leaders on last year's team so just take a minute let that sink in i don't um, want to no, actually, I'm going don't. to. I'm going to. I'm not going to let that sink in. I'm going to reject right it and no, yeah. accept another notion. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We've been sitting with some uncomfortable and hard things lately, just in general, processing mm-hmm. the world around us. I'm not going to add anything to that. Mm-hmm. That is not necessarily, and certainly thinking about that is not necessary. But the point is, it was a bad year. We're positioned uh, to. I guess kick like do this rebuild thing and the timeline for it was supposed to be the, they're supposed to be rounding into contention not maybe this year but next and now that all kind of there's even more pressure I think because we're not going to have a full season it doesn't look like we're going to have anything regard like with regards to a minor league season um, mm. so I don't know what they're going to do about developing those players. You can't have them sit at home and twiddle their thumbs. I mean, you can't have Jonathan Classe and Noel V. Marte sitting at home all year. Yeah. So like what- even if they're working out, I mean, we talked about yeah. this, this last week a bit in terms of like, how does development occur? Like, yeah, you can have guys like physically get stronger. Like, you know, even, even in a lot of the draft prospects, we've seen that of like, well, they weren't really able to play, but they were able to work out and get stronger and improve their, you know, skills generally. But like, so many of these guys just need to play and and, and face yeah. consistent top level competition. I mean, for... there's a there's a ceiling to how much they can. Getting stronger is great, but like you don't want Noel V. Marte to put on a lot of extra muscle mass, or he's not going to be able to play shortstop. Jonathan Class A has maxed out. He is a tiny house person. He has maxed out every <laughs> available inch. Tanquito. Uh-huh. There's no more room for any more muscle to go or without costing him his, you know, elite 80 grade speed. So mm-hmm. it's just these guys have got to play. So um, that really complicates things. So, um, yeah, the draft is the draft is important this year, more so than it ever has been, I think, um, as far as like franchise defining. I guess what would you liken it to like maybe 20 10 2011 2009 2009 yeah 2009 was the last time they had three picks in the top 40 they had uh ackley go two and then they had nick franklin at some point like 31 and then 
I want to say it was Brad Miller. Uh, it might be wrong. No, I believe it was one of the catchers. I believe it was um, it oh, was what's right. his face who 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 made it up for for just a second. Hicks Alex Jackson. No, no, uh, Hicks. No. No. Uh, uh, it was, oh, Steve Barron. Thank you, Steve Barron. Oh, yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, Steve Barron. Oh, Stephen yeah. Barron, no, no. I believe. Stephen Barron. Yeah, but that was the last time they had this this rough. kind of money and this kind of access. And Ooh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, those guys didn't turn out to be stars by any means, but they both turned out to be big leagues. I mean, I wouldn't call the draft a, su- a success by any means, but could have been worse. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it, it will be... You know they've had they've had high picks, you know they had a, a series of high picks in in that sort of stretch and and really, you know missed missed on or or did not you know really connect on any of them and that obviously I mean that's been reiterated over and over again but like they have a chance here and who knows what the draft looks like next year if it if there's no games do they just roll over the same pick structure probably i mean but like you know it's likely that this is this was going to be the year and next year was going to we're going to be the years where they had a chance at sort of some top top talent in addition to getting some depth the depth has been taken away because the league chose to only go five rounds so they've got to get you know some impact instead um and uh you know well i mean you know they they have to they have a, they have less of a chance at depth than they have to get some impact at least actually uh espn just had a story about the draft order for next year um, oh is Kyle there something daniel says uh the march agreement has something in it that says in the event that each club plays less than 81 regular season games in 2020 the office of the commissioner shall have the right <laughs> After conferring in good faith with the MLBPA, which is a laughable statement at this point, yeah. to modify the draft order. I don't know so, how you could justify anything other than this year's order. Especially, yeah, I mean, if they played, I mean, if they play like, you know, even if they play 50, you could do that. Like, that's, there are games, that's something. If there's no season, I mean, I guess there, there's, you know. There must be some sort of of precedent for it, but I I can't think of it. I don't know what I don't know what other leagues or what they you know what has been done in years where there were supposed to be a draft and instead there was not. Yeah. For how picks go, so. I don't know how you don't piss off a whole bunch of teams by being like, well, the Dodgers, uh, you know, had a five hundred record, but we know that they're actually a better team than that, so we're still going to have them pick twenty eighth or whatever yeah um that's ridiculous i think and it does too like if some teams get off to a slow start it really does increase the um appeal of just tanking for a season because why it doesn't matter anyway why not just get a good draft pick and you know not necessarily try your hardest it's i don't understand how the mlbpa has anything to do with setting up a draft order no, that's weird to me. Yeah, that I mean, what would they? What what say would they have? I mean, player it is, agents. It is strange. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, I guess it's like, player. You want to see Scott Borish push an agenda? I'll oh. show you how he can push an agenda. <laughs> uh, oh, 
Well, Scott Boris is, you know, I'm all for, at this point, all for fighting in favor of the players and getting them the best deal possible. So, um, you know, we're already looking at a shortened 20-round draft for next year. So I just think they should keep the same keep the same draft order as this year. If the season is going to be that short, um, I would, I don't think that anything less than 80 games would provide a very good barometer. And I'm not even sure about 80 games. I'd like to see some studies about that, but anyway, it's, it's complicated and we don't know. I assume the Mariners would still have a, a good pick in that scenario. Um, cause I don't see any way that the product they put on the field this year is uh, <laughs> is all that different from last year. I mean, we're yeah. still in developmental stages for a lot of these guys, and um, they're having that development taken from them right now. So it's – but will it be six? Like, will it be that prime? Who knows? So this this draft remains very, very important. Yeah, it'll be um... – It'll be interesting, but that's uh, that is a debate that we can be having. Hopefully, not uh, having next summer, um, and 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 this winter. So let let's let's hone in on what's going to go down this week. So Wednesday we get the first round, which extends through the first thirty-seven picks, um, and that will uh, obviously have the first pick by the Mariners at sixth overall. Uh, and then on Thursday, we get uh, the second through fifth rounds, uh, which has five more picks for Seattle, uh, starting at number 43 overall. So just to kick us off, uh, I would love to hear from both of you uh, your sort of ideal way that this draft breaks down uh, for those first two picks for the Mariners, uh, Joe, do you want to do you want to start us off for for sort of the who makes sense and and who you would be happiest seeing Seattle end up with? I think with uh, with the sixth pick, I think a lot of people want to see Nick Gonzalez, and that's definitely the camp that I'm in. I don't think he's going to last that far, and the reason I say that is Nick Gonzalez is definitely being marketed and advertised right now as the most signable player in the top five. I mean, his number is low. So whoever wants him, whether that be Baltimore or Kansas City or, you know, I haven't seen Toronto connected to him, but if somebody wants to save money, I, I think Nick Gonzalez is probably going to go. Um, but that, I mean, your question is who I would prefer. So Nick, Nick Gonzalez would be my picket at six. And then at 43, I'd like to see him get a, a college arm that is athletic and projectable. Uh, any of the uh, Florida kids, Chris McMahon, um, Bobby Miller from Louisville. I think Bobby Miller would probably be my pick from Louisville. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd go with those. Do you I'd think go he's with, there at 43? I don't think he's there. I don't think Chris McMahon is there. Uh, if there's a guy that I think will be there, that'd be Tommy Mace out of Florida. Mm-hmm. I think he'd be in a uh, fun arm 93 94 yeah. from a three-quarter arm slot you, i could um, definitely imagine yeah i think he'd be a good arm or jared schuster too so a college arm fair enough kate how about for you um, your ideal <clears throat> my ideal is for them to take my favorite player in the draft robert hassel 
uh, which right. will never ever happen. So I've adjusted. Yeah, we're, we're doing we're doing what we think is going to happen next. So you, this can <laughs> yeah. be. I mean, this can be that for you. Um, no, my I've lowered those um, those hopes to just hoping that the Angels don't draft him and I don't or no other <laughs> AL West team, and I don't have to watch him in the AL West because he is my favorite player in the draft. I think he's going. Angels to may not power. know ex- he exists if 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 they uh, <laughs> if they know, don't have any scouts, scouts didn't get that's, to him. So that's yeah. true. Um, it's that's that's a that's a tough one for me. I really like him, and I really want a bat in this draft because they drafted nothing but college arms last year and I'm getting concerned about the about the makeup of the of what we have it's just yeah. arms as far as the eye can see and um nothing up the middle so if Nick Gonzalez is there that is my ideal scenario uh, if I cannot have my rubber hassle dream mm. I really hope he is I don't have like the rosiest outlook on life right now so i don't (laughs) think he will be just because it doesn't Uh feel like the universe is being very nice right now um so i guess like assuming that he's gone i'm hoping somehow emerson hancock makes it through uh he would be my next in order of preference i would Still be pretty psyched about having him. Uh, I've made my feelings about Max Meyer clear. I'm less thrilled by him. But I am more (laughs) thrilled by him than I am by the names behind him. I mean, so that that would be my order of preference at six would be Gonzalez and then Hancock and then Meyer. Uh, at 43, I mean, I just, I feel like they're going to take another arm. Like, I think they're just going to take arms and arms and arms because that's what this draft has. And that's what they like to draft. And I don't know, maybe they can trade some of those eventually. Um, I hope Carmen Majinski falls. I don't know if he will. Um, he seems a little forgotten. Definitely not having a full season hurt him. Um, because he's had some injuries. He's not been on the radar as much as some of these other guys so he could slip a little and there are so many arms that like some of them have to slip right so mm. i think he's a good candidate to do it and i would really be thrilled with him at 43 i like bryce jarvis out of duke also at 43 um he is big league bloodlines blah 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 um but also he didn't go to the cape this summer he went to well last summer he went to Driveline and Cressy, which is another, those are like kind of the two preeminent training places, right? Uh, we all know about Driveline. Um, he gained five miles an hour on his fastball. So got a significant bump there, increased his physicality because he's not like the biggest, most physical guy. So uh, I like him. I think he is... I like his makeup, too. He's kind of a little bulldog on the mound. Plays with kind of a chip on his shoulder. I just like him. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be there or not, but if he is, I would be thrilled. Yeah. I, I I like that group. I, I I like the I like the sort of the the, the breakdowns there. I think it, yeah. I think it would make a lot of sense to get. But if we're talking about what I really want at forty three, I really want Cole Tucker. 
Yeah. The prep shortstop. I don't think. Would you do want that. Cole Tucker even if Dickens, even if they took Nick Gonzalez? You so. guys, it is Carson Tucker. You're Carson Tucker. Carson Tucker. Carson Tucker. <laughs> I'll I'm take so Cole sorry. Tucker. I'm thinking of Cole. Cole has had some good tweets lately, and has been in my mind. <laughs> Cole, I he, and Carson is a very different personality. He's not like um, quite as outgoing, I think. But you know, maybe he could grow into that a little. Yes, Carson. I like Carson Tucker. Um, would I want him even if they took Gonzalez? No, probably not. Um, just because I think you, the availability of arms there. I mean, I would like to come out of this with a with a preeminent arm, and if someone like McMahon was on the board, which I don't think he will be, but I love McMahon, so yeah, I there are a lot of guys out there I wouldn't want to pass up at forty three to take kind of a risk. Um, just I want that infield addressed at some point. Like <laughs> it really is stressing me out. So, um, but yeah, I, I think that there's just so many arms you can't you can't pass up a really if if they've got the positional player taken care of then and somebody's gonna fall i mean i've gone gone over this thing like so many times and some like there's just too many players (laughs) to go to go in the top 40 like there's going to be good arms at 43 there's too many players and there and there will be teams that won't want to pay yes yeah who who do we think is gonna uh close the purse strings up here uh, Oakland. Okay. Uh, yes. Uh, I mean, I think the Angels might. I think, yeah, uh, Oakland and the Angels are both shave I mean, a little off the top. Which yeah. is, I mean, you know, sort of strange, but well, Oakland, I mean, would be at the top of the list of teams you would expect wouldn't spend, unfortunately. But um, what do we think about Kansas City? Um, because they're kind of they're where I think Gonzalez goes off the board. I'm worried they're going to take him. But they do have a history of taking prep players, and they don't seem to have a problem with paying people. Yeah, in the draft, at least. Right. Well, Anymore. I mean, they're paying all their minor leaguers, and, paying- and obviously, you know that some of that is, you know, I mean, I, I yeah, I, I could very much see them going for for Veen, um, as, as much as any team, and I think there's, um, I, I think a good thing that's been sort of written about is like teams that are heavily invested in the like uh real estate around their parks and have like racked up a lot of debt because they are you know trying to essentially not only own their stadium but then own the area you know like um what atlanta has done for instance Mm -hmm. with you know and the cardinals have done sort of developing essentially this whole like area around their stadium that like is also funneling money back into the team which is not inherently bad by any means but it does mean that those ownership groups have a lot of debt they've taken on because they're like well we'll make money back um and uh so i think there are there are teams that have done that teams like this has been often noted seattle tampa um and kansas city like have not necessarily done uh, that as much, either intentionally or just have been unable, unable to do it. But as a result, there, there's not necessarily um, that present sort of lack of liquidity to, huh. to, to get really fun, uh, you know, some fun I do wonder, though, with the Mariners, I mean, the Mariners are looking at an empty space across the street from them in Pyramid, right? 
and an empty space to their left in Henry's. I mean, I wonder if they will, if they would consider doing something similar to that. That would be really cool. It'd be really cool. It would be so expensive. Yeah. I mean, not at the, you know, this probably isn't the time, but, you know, probably happens at some point after that. Um, Yeah, I doubt any restaurants slash other companies are going to be rushing to run into those spaces, which is really sad. I mean, those were like, there were pretty limited options for hanging out pre or post game already. And uh, now the two major ones are gone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a real shame because I mean, this is you know a little off, but like that is something that I don't know. I mean, I guess I was not. <laughs> I would love to actually hear more about this from people who were sort of in Seattle and like very like of drinking and going out age. Not because like that has to be all of it, but just like. Of an age when the Mariners were good and when the Mariners <laughs> were the big deal, like whether that was like a thing, whether like all the places around there were s- catering specifically to that, because so much of it now is the Seahawks, and rightfully so, because and the Sounders, yeah. um, you know, and it makes sense because those are the teams one that are good and two that are going to uh, you know consistently draw and and consistently be inspiring enthusiasm and the Mariners could be that and and yep. it's it I mean for me obviously I don't particularly care if the Mariners are making a ton of money but I do like it when people are enthusiastic about a thing I'm very enthusiastic about and so that's the that's the part that I like about it and and would love to see um you know back throughout the city again FX uh, McRory's was, a, I mean, yeah. I was just a kid, but like when they were yeah. really good, I was not of drinking age, but I remember walking by as a kid going to the kingdom because that's how old I am mm-hmm. um, and seeing FX McRory's just like full of people and laughing and the game and they all have, and I just remember being like, oh, I can't wait until I'm old enough to do that too. And then sadness, but. Yeah, it was I, it's an I I do think it's relevant just because to the conversation about the draft, like how much money do the Mariners have to spend and where else do we think they might be spending that money? Obviously, they're spending a lot of it too internally on making uh T-Mobile Park uh the pinkest, shiniest place. Oh, T-Mobile is going to come after me for calling him pink. <laughs> it's magenta. <laughs> magenta. Magenta. Um, yeah, there's actually like a, an owl has showed up at my window with like a big, uh, with a big, banner. with a knife, <laughs> a big magenta banner. Yes, <laughs> a the, big magenta, the magenta banner, banner sign in one hand uh, in one paw, claw, talon, talon, talon. I and uh, yeah, oh, knife in the other one. Um, but they spent a lot of money fixing up the stadium, right? Because they yeah, want to make it true. shiny and attract an all-star game, and you know that's all supposed to be happening at the same time as the team gets good again and Seattle baseball is on the map. And, you know, this all requires some pretty significant cash outlay, which um, might impact their draft strategy some, which, by the way, guys, you got to spend money to make money. So, yeah, I'm I'm hopeful that Seattle is going to be one of the more straight up teams. Um, Obviously, who knows, but I don't I I think. There's not an immediate reason to think that they would be 
you know, doing, doing particularly poorly. Um, they have one of the lowest payrolls. They have one of the smallest sort of guaranteed, uh, future pay, um, uh, future payrolls rather. So I, I think they're in a pretty like easy situation financially. Um, and that is even, true. even without dipping into, you know, the personal wealth of a lot of the people, <laughs> um, in, in charge, which, you know, could, could likely support it. But, and you know, I know we haven't seen them pay for free agents in the past, but like maybe if they just go all arms here, uh, maybe no. they will get themselves a Francisco Lindor <laughs> or something. To uh, shore up that, I know, I know, I'm just dropping, I'm dropping bait for mm-hmm. you now. Um, I tried no. to get John to kidnap him as he <laughs> while was driving yeah, while we drove through, through Cleveland. Yeah. Through Cleveland, I was like, he's very small, fit in the back of your car. <laughs> we, had a, we had a bed back there already. Let it be known, John is not a true patriot, not a true fan. That's true. Would that's not true. kidnap Francisco Lindor for me. So, um, yeah, that's on me. I'll work. I'll work on it. Uh, my 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 ideal, I think, at number six would be uh, would be Hancock, and I know that kind of goes against my um, long sort of long standing diatribe of build around position players. Um, if Veen is there, yes, I would like Zach Veen. Thank you very much, but. Uh, I, I would like to see I, I think Gonzalez is great and I'd be very happy with Nick Gonzalez, but um I have been just really impressed with Hancock. I, I like his repertoire quite a bit and uh I I think he is I think that is a monstrous um sort of group of pitchers that they would have in the minors there, uh in in that event and uh I think that would free them up then for uh, signing at at 46. Um, Either someone just like uh, Chase Davis uh, or, you know, even if they they wanted to go um, with Casey Martin or Carson Tucker, you know, a number of options there where they can – uh, splash a little bit of money, but still get a position player who could be a real impact player, um, especially one who could handle uh, middle infield. Uh, Casey I, Martin would be fun. I yeah, mean, I don't. We haven't given that enough attention, and it seems more and more like he his name is falling out of the first round and possibly falling out of comp round A. Yeah, I mean, Joe, Joe, just real quick, because I, I think we really have barely talked about him at all. We Maybe have, we talked yeah. about him, but could you give us a, just a quick rundown on Casey Martin, the sort of feats and foibles there? Since yeah. he's your boy. He yeah. was. Yeah, I mean, if, if we're talking about just pure tools, you're looking at a top 10 pick. Uh, he's a 70 runner. He's got a 60 arm. He's got you know, solid average to plus power. Um, and he can play shortstop. Uh, he probably won't end up playing shortstop. Mm-hmm. He'll probably end up at either second base or in center field. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing on Casey Martin is he has like 20 plate discipline. Uh, <laughs> he, like he'll swing at things above his head. He'll swing at things that bounce in the dirt. And there's 
no real rhyme or reason why he's swinging at these pitches. It's not like he's chasing. It's like he's guessing sometimes. And um, so I, I guess I would pose the question back to you guys. I, I know that you've been beating the drum on get us someone, get us a position player that we can have fun and watch develop. Like let's test the Mariners player development program and get a project. And I think Casey Martin is, is that project. So Kate, I'll, I'll pose it to you. Would you be comfortable with uh, him being that test guinea pig? Uh, I am worried because I agree with you. I think he's a guest hitter at times and the plate discipline plate discipline is so hard to teach like maybe it's a vision thing maybe he just didn't get that developed well over time but you know you're looking at somebody who's already older because he's a college player you don't have a ton of time left to develop him before you want to get him out there so I just for me that kind of plate discipline is a is a non-starter because I just don't feel like he'd hit. And if you can't hit, it doesn't matter if you have huge power. Like, if you cannot <laughs> hit the baseball because you are striking out, you will fail out of baseball. So, yeah, he's, um, he's a that bit makes of an me nervous. He's an ambush guy right yeah. now. Um, and I do think that once you get to the next level and you get a healthy diet of breaking balls, there's got to be growth between now and his debut. But... I mean, like John and I said, I mean, he's got some of the loudest tools in the draft. I would rather take a guy who is a line drive hitter. I'm thinking, which one is it? Is it not Nick Lofton? One of the other, not Jordan Westberg, but the other one. Who's his partner? Oh, Foscu? Foscu, yeah. Foscu, I think, is is tabbed as a guy who is uh, Justin Foscu is tabbed as a guy who is not um, exceptional power, right? But he can hit. Um, And I would rather have them take a guy like that and try to develop power out of him. Or, you know, so maybe he's a gap-to-gap hitter. Maybe he's a line drive hitter. Maybe the ball doesn't go over the fence. Like, to me, I don't think that's such a big problem with an infielder. Yeah, if a guy can play middle infield, then, you know, you, you you're not necessarily needing to be concerned as concerned about that. I, I think that'd be fair. Um, I, I think that the the appeal for Martin is that, as Joe said, like he well I don't Joe didn't say this specifically, but in 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 the sense of like tools being in the top ten, like a a full you know a properly actualized Casey Martin is one of the best players in this draft, um, and. You know, I don't know necessarily if the Mariners can can properly get the most out of him, because um, you know you look at his his lines and it's like these would be great numbers if he was in high A, but he was in you know he was at Arkansas yeah. and you would love to see he was better. facing Hartford. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, and it's I mean the the power numbers for a shortstop are fantastic. The <gasps> speed is spectacular. Like it really is like. If he can just get on base, you know, or make contact, it's gonna be great. But yeah. um, you know, it, and 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 the Mariners don't have many of those guys. The Mariners have a fair number of, well, this guy's, you know, a bunch of forty-five and fifty-grade right. things across the board, and maybe they'll get enough out of him to be okay. 
and I I think somewhat unfairly I really would love to see, to see that sort of this guy is some 60s and 30s and let's get those 30s up to 40s or or, or 50s and let the 60s shine um it's just some things you can some things you can get from 30 to 60 with proper development mm. do you think plate discipline is one of them it can be i i, I, I mean it can the, be if it's mental it's i think i fully agree with you that it is much more difficult than power like where where like power or um i mean you know sort of just general like you know uh improved athleticism can mm-hmm. is more attainable than um you know than like fully changing an approach necessarily but i think it's not like as like as joe said like if he's just going up there with a bad plan <laughs> you know that's not easy to change but if but you he's can willing to recognize it you can you yeah. can change a plan if you and give you, a it guy will take tools. time it'll take yeah. it'll take years but like it'll take every guy you know pretty much years to get to whatever it is that they right. needed to improve so if his thing is well he's more than fast enough he can play somewhere defensively and and a premium position at that and when he makes contact ball go far like <laughs> I mean, and it's a good swing. I mean, yeah, like, his swing like doesn't mechanically, suck. It's just, yeah, it's not bad. Um, and he's really strong for you know a hundred and seventy five, hundred and eighty pound yeah. guy. And it's not like um, he's like selling out. Like you know, it's not like he's like. So that would be my only yeah. concern, right. though, is if he is tapping into this power and this bat speed by selling out. If the only way to get him to you know, a 40 approach is to reel his game power back to 40, then that's a, you know, then that's something that you have to weigh because if, if he's got 70 speed and a 70 arm and he's like a fringe average defender at shortstop and then you dial it back and he's a 40 hit 40 power guy, then all of a sudden it's like, well, uh, I don't, you know, what's, what's the upside here? I think so. that's fair. Um, I assume that whoever drafts him has done some pretty significant work with talking to him and figuring out from a makeup standpoint if he is the kind of player that you can throw something like that at. Because not every player can handle, like, hey, you've been doing this wrong. This is a flaw that you have, and you have to fix it in order to get the most out of yourself. So, Joe or and Kate, do you think he could be, like, Paul DeYoung? Is it DeYoung or DeJong? I, I think have I, never heard his name said out loud. I think it's like, DeYoung. Is it DeYoung? That, but I don't think he can be. You don't Person. think so? No, I think he's Jackie Bradley Jr. Like, I have a very strong fit comp on that. That's where I think he's going to be. Interesting. Like, I think he's going to run into, like, 12 to 15 home runs, mm-hmm. play good defense, steal a bunch of bases, and strike out 32% of the time. They really need to fix that baseball. Paul DeYoung hit 30 homers last year. What the fuck? <laughs> I've seen he, him swing. He's, he's, I know, but he is like a, he just makes loud sounds off the bat. Like he is, <laughs> he is loud sounds. So he had a, I, exactly I, I like a 100 WRC plus last year with, with 30 homers. Like, yeah, I actually really like that comp for Casey Martin. I think that that's a very 
I think that's a very solid comp. And, you know, is that a terrible outcome for 43? I don't think so. I mean, no, that's an amazing outcome. It's just like, that's that's, that's like a, you know, if if it develops properly where it's like he's hitting like 230, 240, but like he's walking an okay amount. Like, you know, he's like he's Zuninoing, but at shortstop. Um, You know, a a lesser Zuninoing where it's like, yeah, he strikes out a ton, but he... I mean, maybe even just like doing what Dylan Moore does, but like with more with more success. Oh my God, I miss whining about Dylan Moore's unlikely power out of that (laughs) tiny little body. He swings so damn hard. He does. (laughs) And having his sister like every single tweet. That was one of my favorite things about 2019. Is oh, Dylan Moore hit a home. Oh my God, it went 440. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Why can he not hit it out of the infield? And then he blows it over the bullpen. So small. I could not stop tweeting about it. And even though I knew that two things would happen, his sister would like it. I don't know if that was sarcastically or not. Um, And then Mike Cameron would come and yell at me about it. Which I was like, (laughs) I'm not trying to. Antagonize. I'm not trying to say he sucks. I mean, he's just physically, you can look, I'm bigger than him. I stand taller and wider than Dylan Moore. I couldn't hit a ball 40 feet. Like, I mean, that's also because I'm a terrible athlete, but. Um, you're John, launching, you, I have seen you swing a, soft, or a, a softball bat. And no, launch, you, your swing plane that. could use some work. Let's not talk about that. Um, John, you, ta- you were talking about Emerson Hancock, and I want to dig in on Emerson Hancock a little bit. Um, yeah. Because I agree with you. I think he is, I love him. I love the idea of him. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember writing him up thinking there was no chance we could ever get him. And right. now there's like... I'm just seeing him slide, which is wild, seeing him get mocked to Seattle. But, I mean, when I look at – when I – if I was to sit down and write up a bunch of qualities that I thought a frontline starter had, Mm -hmm. Emerson Hancock matches all of those things. Mm -hmm. Why is he sliding, do we think? So, Joe Joe may have a different answer for me. I do think there is something to the critique on Hancock that – you, if you if you watch him pitch, you're not necessarily going to you you could have three you know you could have three different scout scouts watch three different games of his and none of them would know what his predominant out pitch was. Um, like he has a pretty decent slider. He's got a pretty decent sort of curve slide like a different angle kind of slider and he's got a pretty good changeup, but it's like from game to game he will go with different pitches and it's not like any of them is like oh yeah that's max Meyer's slider oh yeah that's reed detmer's curveball like oh yeah that's asa lacy's sort of scowl um like every <laughs> <laughs> every um you know, he has been immensely successful, but he is a, I mean, it's ridiculous to call a guy who throws like 94, 95 on average a sum of his parts guy. But like, he's definitely had a bit more like, uh, I think, is this guy a modern pitcher or is this guy the type of guy that 
would have had a lot of success a decade ago and for decades prior to that. And now when people hammer sinkers and you need to have a dominant breaking ball, does this work? And I think that that looks great for scouts and then teams, What depending on what they're prioritizing, may or may not see that as the same for him. Joe, I don't know what if there's if there's something more that you think might be sort of making teams wary. No, I I think you hit the nail on the head with the whole one scout thinks one thing, the other scout thinks the other, and some of it might just be prospect fatigue. And I know he is not a prospect yet, but this guy's mm-hmm. been like he's been one one on boards for three four years. Uh, mm-hmm ever since getting to Georgia. So I think there's probably a little bit of prospect fatigue. There's there's always those floating rumors of health. Again, I have talked to people in that camp and outside of that camp, and I don't know where those are coming from. Mm-hmm. I still haven't seen anything like that. Well, he had like a, a, a arm issue in 2019, yeah, it in but, 2019 but, but, but not, he didn't, not coming It wasn't an extended absence um and the velo never ticked down uh Mm -hmm. and the track record has always been strong yeah i mean he had some bad innings in 2020 there's no denying that but yeah so it wasn't horrific right it wasn't horrible he he wasn't walking batters uh he was just he was getting hit a little bit and it Mm -hmm. happens and i think that's been the biggest critique is if this guy has a 60 fastball and he has a 60 changeup and he has a 55 slider and a, and a curveball that he can throw every now and then, why does he give up eight hits in three innings against like Stony Brook? You know, uh, that's that's just been that's just been the narrative. And I haven't been able to nail down any sort of uh, any reason specifically why Hancock is falling. I had a scout tell me uh, last night that Emerson Hancock is, is Mark Appel all over again because they've just got this huge ceiling polish reputation, but in reality, the sum of the parts is a very hittable package that uh, never pans out, which I I don't think it's fair to compare anyone to Mark Appel personally. Uh, that's a very, very 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 low bar um so yeah i I really don't have an answer other than i think it's just differing opinions um i did just talk mad shit about emerson hancock after saying i really wanted the mariners to pick him so i do want to like clarify like the reason i think it works is one i he's got really good command i think the mariners have uh obviously prioritized command guys Mm -hmm. i think that um all you know, a big criticism for Logan Gilbert was, well, he's got great command, he's got the frame, he's got all these things, he's got good velo, the velo dipped, but whatever. But like, are his breaking balls, you know, does he have the off speed pitch? And the Mariners were able to sort of work with him, tweak and improve his slider and his curveball to the point where he has thus far They're absolutely plus. obliterated. Yeah, I mean, just you know, fully, fully like knockout stuff and i uh it's not to say like oh so of course they'll be able to do that with with hancock but like they 
the features the features that Hancock already has are extremely impressive and I I think whether it comes by okay we're going to adjust you know sort of the the we want you to sort of try and work on adjusting the 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 release on your fastball so you get a little more backspin instead of sink or okay let's let's you know how what if you worked on you know this sort of angle and grip on on your slider um, while you release or what whatever that might be i mean this is where i i'm very much on the benefit of the doubt thing where it's like i don't want the mariners to take someone like max meyer if nick gonzalez is there not because there's anything wrong with max meyer but because like max meyer's doing the things that you would hope max meyer's doing already Emerson Hancock has all these incredible characteristics that the that the Mariners weren't really able to get to talent-wise from a player. And they have the opportunity now, and they can, I think, maximize off of that um, based on their track record. And I I think that, that is, uh, that's something worth, worth trusting in there. I do think, like, scouting the makeup is important because you mentioned Logan Gilbert. I mean, the Mariners took a player who it even if he didn't know it he was designed to be a mariner like he was a business analytics major at stetson he was already super analytical minded he was already working with rob marcello jr who's now in the organization as a pitching coach like he clearly fit their philosophies and was willing to sit down pour over the data make those changes i mean he's a real he's a student of the game and i have not heard that about Hancock I mean we don't maybe it's just that so much of the focus has been on what he brings to the mound and not necessarily what he brings off of it I'm very curious about who he has who he is as a person what kind of person he is um because if they don't think that they can maximize those things out of him just from a makeup standpoint I don't think they would take him um he is I, I could see them, too, backing him off a little bit, you know, because he has been throwing, uh, he can get up to 98, 99 even on the fastball. The Mariners have been a team that will back players off of some velocity. They did that with Gilbert. They didn't want him throwing 95. They backed him down to like 92, 93 so he could work on shapes and he could work on tunneling and um it really, I, would, I know it's exactly what you're saying, but when you say like work on shapes and tunnels, it does very much sound like a like okay, we're doing some elementary school stuff here. <laughs> yes, baseball is a very funny game. Yes, so he can work on. Uh, I saw Pitching Ninja has a a pretty cool side by side of his fastball and his slider, and you can see there's a lot of tunneling there, like the pitch comes out of the same place. I think that the slider has good deception. Um, but I'm sure they could Im- improve those things even. And maybe if they took off a little of the velo and had him focus, he's already got the command, as you said. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of good building blocks there. I just think the ceiling is so high for him. He is a true like front of the rotation type Casey Mize ish, like that SEC. I mean, maybe that's just falling in love with an archetype or something, but I, the Mariners just haven't had that in this current, um, you know, when, since the big, the big three or whatever. So just, it would be really exciting to have. So we, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna hop over to some of our uh, listener questions here because we we got a few of them and I appreciate folks for reaching out. Um, one of the things actually from William Lofton at W Loft ninety six on Twitter uh, was very much related to Hancock and uh, just I I think we've gone over it a bit but like. It, it really is fascinating. Uh, the, the question was essentially, what do you think of this? And, and screenshotting a, a scouting report on him that uh, has him <laughs> to the Mariners. Um, but but is, you know, really essentially calling calling his neither of his sliders much good. Um, and also pointing out that he has a head whack, which. Yes. And so. does, it, kind of. In, in concert with. Um, as Joe mentioned, the the Mark Appel comp. I, I mean, is it is there something about Hancock in particular that would make you more wary than uh, I I don't know, just a, another start. You know, any any top two, top three pitching prospect from from years past or or or, or that, or is, or is it just sort of as Joe said, prospect fatigue? Uh, so with Hancock in regards to him being a top two or three prospect in, in any other draft or in like top 100 prospect rankings, just in terms of like how is there something inherently troublesome about him, uh, as, as a top pitching prospect that, that, that is, you know, you don't usually see all of the flaws in a top pitching prospect, you know, highlighting a guy who you would think who, who is being projected as a top five, top six pick. Well, I mean, I would Let's make see. the argument that Asa Lacey has the same head knock that uh, Emerson Hancock does. And I'll, I'll go a step further. Hancock has shown over the last three years to have, I mean, if we're going back to 2019, far superior command than Asa Lacey so I think it just like like we had said I think it just kind of goes back to uh evaluators taste and the arsenal of pitches that a guy's that a guy has I mean um I would argue that Emerson Hancock has a better changeup than he does uh, a slider or a curveball and he elected to go fastball and breaking ball most of this year instead of uh employing employing the changeup so yeah I mean it's kind of just what's your flavor and if he's not you know for you then he's not for you it's the exact same thing that people say with uh you know with max meyer like you're splitting hairs when you're talking about meyer and hancock but meyer is six feet tall and he throws 100 miles an hour and (laughs) there's head there's head knock on uh on his delivery too and uh watched quite a bit of of uh, footage of Meyer speaking about how he addresses, uh, you know, his arsenal and facing batters, and he is not uh, data driven at all. He, he, it comes from a, a natural ability that he just kind of picked up over time and in growth, and um, he's not worried about Rapsodo, and he's not worried about weighted balls, and he's not worried about you know uh, what people are doing. So yeah, he said on MLB Network the other day. 
quote, I'm not a mechanical kind of guy. Which, yeah, I mean, th- yeah, that's another example. I'm trying I think, really hard to like him, but he's making it so hard. It, it really just depends on who you talk to. And if you're speaking in terms of Keith Law, um, maybe he has scouts out there that he trusts over others. I mean, Keith Law hasn't done any. This is not me attacking Keith Law. Let me just put that out there. But Keith Law has not done any scouting as he's admitted in like 15 years. So, I mean, he's trusting sources that he trusts and everyone trusts other sources that they trust. It's just part of the industry. I mean, I don't know that that scouting report on Hancock makes it sound like he, and we can embed that into the, into the articles, um, podcast article so people can see it. It makes it sound like he has been, but also it makes it sound like he saw him once during this past year where he wasn't, you know, admittedly very good. And I think there's, as far as prospect fatigue goes, like, it is amazing to me that his short stretch of, like, not very good baseball or seemingly ineffective baseball at the beginning of this year, it really seems to, like, cloud over all the stuff he did last year. Like, he was very, 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 very good last year, everybody. We, yeah, we're forgetting this. He was, it was 97 strikeouts to 18 walks in 90 and a third innings last yeah, year. Yeah, I mean. And 58 hits. Like, it, I mean, it was just very dominant performance in, a, what was it, 1.99 ERA? Again, like. In yeah, the SEC. In like, the SEC, yeah. Like, and especially for the Mariners, who have, in in theory, pushed to put a lot of emphasis on, let's have a really solid defense. Like, let's have really good infield defense here. Um, you know, getting a guy who gets a fair number of ground balls, it's not the worst thing in in the world. Like, yeah, uh, I, I think I think it's important to to not overlook the fact that there is there are cultural fits, right? And <laughs> Honestly, when Max Meyer said, like, oh, I'm not a big mechanics guy, I mean, the Mariners are very into letting players be themselves. And so if that's what works for him, that's what works for him. They don't certainly don't demand that everybody be on the analytics train. But it did kind of give me pause a little bit about, like, oh, is is he going to fit in really well to a, a club that's pretty highly analytical and really really prides doing mechanical mm-hmm. analyses mm-hmm. uh is he gonna fit in well with like the logan gilberts and the guys who sit around and talk pitching craft like maybe not and maybe that's fine um you know i think that there are there are things that we don't even know like i would not i do not think the mariners would draft asa Lacey even if he was available to them i do not think he's a good cultural fit for the club um, just because of some things that he said on Twitter and just, uh, that's been wiped now, but I'm like, I really, really, really would be surprised if you brought that particular player into this particular clubhouse. So, um, there, there are other things like that too, that we aren't totally aware of, or the general public isn't aware of. So when you see surprises happen in drafts, like, oh my gosh, they took that guy? Like, that guy was way down. The, you, you know, it might just be that this club really believes that they can work with this particular player. So, 
building somewhat off that uh, that that last bit, we we did get a question from Scott Judy on Twitter at moves underscore like underscore Judy. Uh, who do we need to make a voodoo doll of to make me sure we get Asa Lacey? Um, and I I wanted to fold that into just a, a something I wanted to ask you about uh, the the both of yous, uh, which is. Um, is there really any situation in which Seattle could land one of the top three guys in this draft? Um, Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay. Let's, uh, let's go to another question here. We, uh, I appreciate we got a couple good questions about Nick Gonzalez, Max Meyer, um, which obviously we've, we've talked a fair bit about here. Um, we got a question here from Patrick Dubuque uh, at Ekibud. Uh, on Twitter, uh, very, very timely, uh, question, which is, uh, why didn't the Mariners sign Tony Phillips? Um, and I, uh, I will confess, I did not realize that the Mariners drafted Tony Phillips in the 16th round of the 1977 draft. Um, although if they failed to sign him, uh, so that he then was taken 10th overall a year later by the Montreal Expos. Um, do either of you have a, uh, a compelling reason as to why the Mariners failed to sign a guy who uh, went on to have an 18-year career um, with about 50 wins above replacement uh, in in the 16th round? It, it seems like it seems like they should have done that. Hmm. Uh, was that was, who was? The owner of the team at the time. The original owner? You know what? That's a great, great question. Was that? Well, I wrote this up years ago. I should know. I think it was like the used car salesman guy, right? Oh, was it Danny Kay? Uh, No, he's a good guy. Danny Kay. Uh, Uh, He's done a ton. He has. Look up Danny Kay sometime if you haven't. Film actor. He's in. I want to say it's White Christmas, one of the you know classic holiday movies. It is White Christmas. Um, You are you're absolutely correct. Uh, He has a long history of like donating to and leading charitable causes. Uh, It's a really good guy. I was very surprised to find out he was part owner of the Mariners, but then there was the bad guy um, Uh, who didn't spend any money. Yeah. Yeah, I believe he was later. I believe it was, yeah, he it was starts K. in eighty one. So yeah. I unfortunately um, don't have any good yeah. reasoning yeah. behind that. So I'm just gonna say it was the seventies. A lot of shit went down. Yeah, Tony Phillips. Uh, 
who was born and, well, not born, but uh, raised and went to Roswell High School in Roswell, Georgia, uh, chose not to go to the Mariners and instead went to the New Mexico Military Institute in Roswell, New Mexico. So he may have had to complete an exchange program of some sort uh, <laughs> between the Roswells uh, or or maybe the New Mexico Military Institute had really just like a great lunch, school lunch program, and he just did not want to miss out on that. Uh, maybe so. he really likes aliens. That's true. That's true. There you was go. that 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 could very well be it. It was extraterrestrial why it didn't happen. <laughs> um okay, let's uh we got just a couple more questions here. We got a couple actually from P D U T uh at P D U T on Twitter. Um and uh I guess what are the what are, one of them is what are the chances the Mariners go wild card in the first couple picks and try to max out value with the other four? Um, in that sense, I think just going maybe for someone like uh, Jordan Walker, not necessarily that he'll drop, but um, going for a really high profile prep in in the second pick that they would have to go well over slot for. Do you think there's a chance of that? Do you think that's likely? Do you, would you want them to do that? I think that the team is in such a situation that they need this draft to go well that yeah. I don't think they can afford it. Like, like they need to get multiple imp- potential. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like if impact players. if you're gonna suggest maybe they go, it depends on how big of a wild card you're talking about. Because like, it, say Seattle goes Heston Kerstad because they're familiar with him and they could probably get him for, you know. 750,000, 800,000 under slot, like, that wouldn't, I mean, it would shock the hell out of me, but also, like, that's about as far down the draft board as I think they would go. Um, I mean, I'm always going to advocate for Mick Abel, but he's not going to be cheap either. Yeah, I don't see them doing anything, unfortunately, other than taking two college arms with the first two picks. I mean, Scott Hunter basically said as much um, in a story by Shannon Dreyer about the draft. It's a direct quote. So, I mean, I think surprises always happen, but I would not look for them to do anything other than two college arms. And maybe there's a prep at in the... in the compensation round um, that they can maybe funnel some extra money towards. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be anyone who's like high profile though. It's not going to be, I mean, I don't even know if it would be like a Carson Tucker almost said Cole again. (laughs) I mean, one, one other thing to point out, and I've said this on like most podcasts, but the fact that Seattle is going, I mean, they're almost certainly going college with their sixth pick. They're going to save money on that pick. Like, they're going to save, like, 300 or 400 grand on that pick. It doesn't matter who it is. I think that's a pretty good lock. And then if they go college again at 43 um, and they save, you know, a couple hundred thousand there, that gives them a lot of money to work with at 64, like 1.8 million, uh, 1.9 million. So... Like, they're still in a very, very good position to make a big splash at 64. They can get, like, basically anybody that they want that would still reasonably be on the board at that point. Yeah, I, I think that that's a, a it's a good framework, especially because, well, and, and feeding into another question we have here of, like, do we think some teams are not going to utilize their full 
uh, draft pool and that other teams might be who are more willing to spend could could capitalize. Seattle has six picks. I mean, they have more picks than most of the teams in the draft, and and there are going to be guys there who are much better talent wise than the slot that they are they're you know available still to be picked at. So um, I I agree with you guys as much as I would love to see them go real big on on some of the some of the preps especially in in the second round like they're going to be guys worth spending a little bit extra for um later on that that i think they'll be really happy with uh instead of going way over for one one guy necessarily you know and and maybe maybe that works maybe it doesn't but you know you you spread your risk around and you spread the opportunity around i think that's what seattle would be best served doing yeah don't sacrifice any picks this year. That would be my yeah. biggest piece of advice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's finish it up here. We got a, a question from uh, Ben Thoen, at Ben underscore Thoen on Twitter. Uh, longtime uh, staff prospect writer himself. Um, and Ben asks uh, for a best case scenario and a worst case scenario slash who we would be upset about. Uh, for the first couple picks, um, and yeah, I, I I don't know if if there's anyone uh, really jumps off the bo- off the board for either of you guys, but but uh, let let's start with worst case scenario, and then we can finish on a cheery note for for best case. Ooh. Who who would you be just like a reasonable possibility that you would be really upset with? Uh, or not I, even upset. I mean, you know, because uh, like I think we said at a previous time, like they're all pretty good options. At yeah. Number one, but like the I, the worst case scenario in plausibility. Like, there's there's so many guys on the board that Seattle could take, and I genuinely think like everyone that has been mocked to Seattle is still like at worst. If you're going by the whole like A through F grading scale, like I think at worst Seattle would have like a B or a B plus pick, and I'm not gonna like throw out any names but um like i because i just don't think there's a bad pick i think there's a lot of ceiling with whatever direction they go i would be disappointed by reed demers who i've seen mocked to us a couple times not because i think he is um a bad player in any way i mean in other years i'd be thrilled to have him but um you know, I'm not super stoked about college arm, even though I know that that's the direction that makes the most sense to go in. Um, I just think, like, with the looking back one day and looking at them having taken Reed Detmers over, like, Zach Veen might sting at some point. So it's just, I think, opportunity. I would like them to make the most out of this opportunity, and I don't know that. Um, that pick as far as names I've heard linked is making the most out of that opportunity. Um, Max Meyer, I'm not unenthused by, I mean, I think he's pretty fun. My only concern with him is I worry that they get him into the system. The team takes an upswing. They start doing better and they switch Meyer over. They Edwin Diaz him basically like switch him over to a reliever and have him be a, a closer, which is still, good i mean a a dominant major league closer would be fantastic but 
again, I wonder about that opportunity at number six and who's going to have the most value out of this draft when we look at it five and ten years down the road. And um, I think there's a lot of good names here, and I would just really like them to maximize the value in it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I I would almost rather – I would, I think, rather have Gearstead than Detmers you know, in, in that, like – sort of breakdown of it um and i mean it's it's unfair to denmers right it's you know if they were picking at 10 denmers is great it's just at six you know you want to get someone who who feels like they would they have a shot at being a a a star and and that's it's a longer route to stardom for a guy who throws in the low 90s and has a out pitch that is you know it is a slow breaking curve which often is a pitch that doesn't hold up as well against better competition mm-hmm. um you know so that that's a that's a tough swing there um beyond that i mean i i've said i think my un, over under is one and a half on preps that they take i would be pretty disappointed if seattle ends up taking no <laughs> you know which is very pl- I I feel like that's a very plausible scenario. They mm-hmm. take absolutely no preps because there's the numbers that they've attached themselves to are just too big. So yeah, um, you know, and and I mean, a, a big part of this is you know there wasn't a season for so many of these guys, so we don't know how certain guys have developed. We don't know like what the team has been keeping tabs on, who the team has been keeping tabs on more more accurately. So I mean, that makes it a real challenge, but. Yeah, I mean, I just, it would feel, if we don't come out of this with one or, I would say two position players who feel like they have a chance to, uh, you know, be big league, big league uh, contributors, I, I would be, I would be disappointed. Um, even, you know, even as there's, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of great pitching here, I, I think that that's something that the team really is is in need of uh organizationally so we'll see joe did we did we get your sort of whole whole worst case uh sort of sentiments there or, or was was there more there yeah no i i you guys kind of covered it i i don't think there's a bad pick i I would be less enthused by Reed Detmers just because, like you said, he doesn't have the high octane like ace stuff in his in his arm. And mm-hmm. I'm I think what you said about him too is I'm not totally sold on the curveball either. Whether or not it's like is it a solid average pitch plus pitch or is it a plus plus pitch? Because like yeah, Kershaw threw the same curveball. And Kershaw threw 96, mm. and Kershaw threw a, you know, a, pl- a literal plus plus slider and a cutter, and Detmers doesn't have all that, so I would be less enthused by Detmers, but um, I don't know if I'm in a position to like uh, doubt the Mariners' front office after the last few drafts. They've done a good job. Yeah, I really, I mean. I get down. I think last year was a downer draft just because it was such a weak draft and maybe I think they did the best they could with it, but it was so heavy on arms and I'm really unenthused overall about the prospect of going in here and getting a bunch more arms because right. um, 
I just I don't want the system to develop like Detroit's. Right. I would like more balance there. Um, and they're not huge players on the international. If they do it this way, then I want to see them go sign some really top flight guys internationally. And, you know, I'm excited about Christian. No, Christian Cardozo is the one we already have. What's yeah. his name? Starlin Aguilar. Aguilar. Yeah. I'm excited about him. He has, you know, I mean, he's already at third base, so it's a little concerning. Um, but hopefully he can hold up there. But, yeah, I just I want to see them sp- spend some money. Get some super fun players in that we can. Cause it's it's kind of hard to get excited about pitching, you know. But it's I do look back at diminishing returns. And I'm like, yeah, I I mean they're just not like. I imagine little kids growing up. You know, they're gonna have a poster of Kelnick on their walls. They're gonna have a poster of Julio on the walls. You don't really put a poster of Logan Gilbert up unless. You know, I love I love Logan Gilbert. I love him, but. Uh, <laughs> I, I I think unless you are uh, Mama Gilbert, you don't necessarily put a poster of him on the wall. So I'm trying to like toe the line between giving them a ton of credit for the 2018 draft, which wasn't just how they drafted, but also the trades that they made after it and what they wound up walking away with just in their talent pool from that um, and hoping that, you know, okay, so maybe their specialty is fixing up arms and, and making the most out of them. So maybe they could... Take somebody like that, make make a real good potential starter out of them, and then trade that for something else. So that's the hope. All right, well let's let's finish here, Joe. Best case scenario. I mean, best case scenario is definitely Nick Gonzalez for me. I would like I kind of mentioned earlier. I don't know if it made it on the pod, but I would rather have Nick Gonzalez over Austin Martin because. He's going to afford you the opportunity to get a bigger name later in the draft. And frankly, um, I think Nick Gonzalez is going to be a better hitter than Austin Martin, um, both in the hit department and in the power department. Um, The only thing you're really sacrificing is athleticism. Um, You know, maybe uh, you're getting average speed rather than plus speed, but that's fine with me. Uh, So Nick Gonzalez would be my pick and then, uh, you know, go big at 64. Or 43. Okay. Oh, Nick Gonzalez would absolutely be a dream. I mean, I think I love his talent. I love the bat, but he's exactly, again, my kind of, you know, I love me the pure hitters. Um, But also, I just think culturally he fits in really well. He's a guy who had, who was not scouted at all out of high school. He had two offers. Um, Maybe just one, actually. Austin P whatever it is. I think that's in Tennessee. I don't know much about it. Um, And then UNM, which I think maybe he started as a walk-on guy, didn't even have a scholarship initially. Um, But anyway, he's, he's always been a guy who's been like kind of below the radar. Who's just worked his way up by clobbering the baseballs wherever he's gone. But I mean, even after his incredible uh, year on the Cape, or summer on the Cape, Fangraph still had like a fifth round tag on him. Like, oh, this kind of profile usually goes in the fifth or fifth, fourth or fifth round. Which I just I like I I think he's got an incredible work ethic, and I would uh, oh I did, I'm doing exactly what I said I wasn't gonna do. I'm getting attached. I'm getting attached <laughs> to the idea of Nick Gonzalez as a Mariner, and it's gonna end in heartbreak. Um, but yeah, that would be, I don't even care what they do for the rest of the draft. If they got Nick Gonzalez at six, I would be, I can, 
Sign sealed delivered. That's a successful draft for me. Okay, so. you you really need the Orioles to take Asa Lacy or Austin Martin. Because I do. If uh, if both Veen and Nick Gonzalez are there at four, I think they're gonna go Veen, and it gives you a shot. But if 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 Veen is only there at four, then obviously both both of our guys are gone. So. Yeah, it's it's. The Mariners just straight up saying that they'd pass on Veen is a real, I mean, not straight up saying, but you know, that's pretty much what everyone says in the industry. So, and I'm tending back negative, even though I meant to be positive. Um, yeah, I mean, I would, I would love for the, the best case outcome would be that, um, Emerson Hancock would be a pretty close second best case outcome. Although I don't know, they know so much more than we do. So if he's not the pick, then maybe there's probably a reason for it. Um, I'd love for them to get one of the names that we've talked about later in the draft. Um, just a pitcher with a solid track record who, who feels like a good value at the slot. That would be my best case scenario, I think. I've given up the idea of like splashing huge on a prep in the with the second pick. I just I don't think it's going to happen. So Yeah, I think... I, I feel similarly. I think my uh, my ideal is Veen, but failing Veen, which I think is unlikely, um, I, I think I would I would want to see Hancock and then um, either at forty three or, or sixty four, somewhere in there, um, maybe even seventy eight. Uh, I'd love to see the team go for one of the sort of toolsy uh, infield preps. Um, you know, we've you've got, you know, Colt Keith. You've got uh, Kobe Mayo. You've got uh, Drew Bowser. You've got uh, Bowser's pulled out. Right? Oh, that's right, Bowser pulled out. Uh, you know, Yoani Morales. You've got uh, Harold Cole. You've got, uh, I mean, even Carson Tucker. I mean, just just someone in that sort of uh, framework where you've you know a, a player with the you know all all the tools that you, the mariners just need to help refine um i think that's that's the that's the thing i would love to see uh someone to get excited about in that regard to pair with someone who i think can make an immediate impact at the at the number six pick i'm really sad that with just five rounds we're not gonna get like an adam matko you know like somebody who's yeah. just wild never heard of him way different background than a traditional prospect and you know i saw mako on instagram the other days throwing 95 i mean wasn't a ton of command on the 95 but it was 95 and he was like you know i don't even know if he's cracked at 200 yet he's still very a little just a little lefty yeah he's still got a ton of uh of developing to do just physical maturity wise so i think I'm really going to miss not having that. And I hope that somehow there is a guy who just kind of sneaks up on us out of nowhere and has got a cool backstory. And all What I really want out of this draft is somebody who, you know, as, as Julio kind of moves up the ranks and as Jared, you know, somebody who I can really start to feel possessive about and proud of. Like, that's our, pro- mm-hmm. that's our guy. I'm really yeah. proud of our yeah. guy. All right. Well, let's uh, let's call it there. 
we are going to have uh, quite the week. Uh, I think tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow, which will be today rather, uh, if you go on when you're listening to this, uh, go up on the site. Uh, we've had a couple draft previews in addition to you know weeks and months of, of draft previews and whatnot. Uh, Joe will have a lengthy uh, write-up, mock draft, uh, a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, Kate and I will probably have a few more uh, things we'll, we'll lob in uh, before draft day, and then obviously we'll have pick-by-pick coverage on the days themselves. And an open thread. And an open the draft thread, itself. yeah. So a Which place to come talk hang, about it. Come yeah. chat. Um, we'll be in there, obviously. And maybe um, like a quick pod recap after the draft. Just yes, kind of... yes. Most yeah, li- almost assuredly. Yeah, talk we'll a little a bit about what Seattle's got. Mm-hmm. Um, so lots to, lots to look forward to. Um, big hopefully... week. Big week. Yeah, big week. Hopefully you guys are all out there doing doing okay. Baseball um, Christmaca. Yeah, baseball Christmaca, exactly. Uh, and, uh, until we talk to you again, be well. That being pretty pretty universally, um, Spencer Torkelson, uh, Austin Martin, and Asa Lacey. Uh, they, I know there's been talk of like, well, maybe some team might try and save some money and and go significantly under slot. That obviously still takes a lot of surprises to get to the Mariners at number six, but. Is the, is there a circumstance where that could happen that you guys could envision, and would you want that? I definitely think there's a circumstance. I don't think there's a circumstance where Asa Lacy gets to the Mariners, but I do think there's a circumstance where Austin Martin gets to the Mariners, and we've seen it before. I mean, Kyle Lewis fell into the Mariners' lap, and nobody was expecting that to happen, and uh, that was, what was that, pick 11? I mean, that was further down the list. So I think... Uh, you can chalk up Spencer Torkelson at one. If Baltimore goes with either Zach Veen or Nick Gonzalez, then that moves Miami into the driver's seat with Asa Lacey or Austin Martin. And I think they're pretty set on Asa Lacey in that scenario. Um, and then the question really becomes, well, Austin Martin is a, is a Boris guy. Uh, he's going to ask for a lot of money. He's going to ask for overslot at uh, at four or five. Does Kansas City spend that much and, and get Martin, or do they go and you know grab Nick Gonzalez if Baltimore takes Veen, or do they go after uh, you know Veen, for example? I think if uh, and I don't think Toronto personally. I don't think Toronto would sign Austin Martin. That doesn't seem like their type of player right now, given the given where their organization is It's a pretty stacked infield. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think that makes as much sense. So uh, if Seattle is willing to pony up, like, th- this is going to be the thing. If Austin Martin does fall to six, Seattle's probably going to have to pay, like, six or 700000 over slot, or definitely over slot in some capacity, and that's going to limit them moving forward. So um, Here is my hot take. Yeah. I'd rather have Nick Gonzalez than Austin Martin. So would I. Because I think they're really? both second base. Yeah, I think they're both second basemen, and I think uh, 
Nick Gonzalez has a better bat. I like Gonzalez's bat. I like Gonzalez as a person better than Austin Martin, too. Just being honest. I think uh, Nick Gonzalez is a good cultural fit for the Mariners. I just, I'm trying not to think about it too much because I don't want to, I don't want to get my heart set on something and subsequently have it broken, but. Well, and another uh, thing, Kate, you're really attached to grabbing, uh, you know, a prep to root for. If you sign Austin Martin and Gonzalez is on the board, you're, I mean, you could make a pretty good argument that you're throwing away the chance to sign a prep that you'd like. Yeah. If you take I mean, Martin. I don't, I think that based on Scott Hunter's comments, 